0: hating somebody or judging someone based on external, if you like, characteristics or Mm. religion, that's prejudice and everybody's capable of that. Racism, and this is why I think when we keep talking about people being racist, I think it's often incorrect, is racism is a construct and it's a construct rooted in power.
1: This is Common Era, a podcast about spirituality in an age of change. From Labora Press, I'm Chris Donnell, and this podcast is brought to you by The Passionists, a monastic community in the UK dedicating their lives to social justice and solidarity as an extension of their faith. This is our second season and we're hosting a conversation between Anne-Marie Lewis, a leading business youth and justice consultant, and Mats Sadiso, a composer, songwriter and podcaster with a background in human rights law. Anne-Marie and Mats Adiso begin this episode redefining and clarifying the definition of racism and the very concept of different races among human beings. Looking at racism as a mechanism of maintaining power, they break down the differences between racism and prejudice or the classification of people groups or the prejudgments that might come about from people who have suffered at the hands of others it's a conversation that will be familiar to many and yet it's clear why the discussion is still ongoing and why we still need greater radical honesty from white voices in this sphere
0: so we're going to talk about, I shouldn't say my favourite subject because that doesn't feel right to say <laughs> my favourite subject, but we're going to talk about racial justice. Let's start by saying, what, how would you define racism? So here we go. Yeah, put the glasses on. <laughs> put the glasses on so I can actually see what I read. So
2: I want to read the Oxford History, okay, cool. how they define it. Right. So they define racism as prejudice, discrimination or antagonism directed against someone as a different someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Right. Now I've heard many, many definitions of racism which center in and around that mm-hmm. sort of thought. Mm-hmm. So here is my challenge to uh, some of these concepts about racism. So to buy into any of these definitions and any or, or any variants of this definition is to buy into the argument that there are different races. And I believe that contravenes God's own word and God's law Mm -hmm. because in his word, in his law, he made one race Mm -hmm. with different ethnos due to location, due to, uh, you know, where we live and making sure that we can be acclimatised to whatever our circumstances, living conditions that's changed over the years, as we know. So if we go back to John Rule's... um, a theory of justice in some of his definitions. So he basically argues, he asserts that justice is the first virtue of social institutions as truth is of systems of thought. A theory, however, elegant and economical must be rejected or revised if it is untrue. Likewise, laws and institutions, no matter how efficient or seemingly well arranged Mm -hmm. must be reformed or abolished if they are unjust. And I link that back to the whole premise of racism and the definitions of racism. Okay. Because if we have a definition that speaks of different races and people having racism, and we link that to John Rawls's assertion of truth, mm-hmm. then if it's untrue mm-hmm. and it's contrary to God's word, then it needs to be rejected or reformed, abolished or changed. Yes. So for me, I come back to, yes, in theory and in essence, it is the assertion, it is the control, it is the power, it is the treatment or or using your position, to oppress, to control, to be discriminatory, to people who are of different backgrounds and different colours to you. And in order to address some of these things, I think we have to go back to the original mindset and start to reconcile that we are not different races. Mm-hmm. We are one race. Uh-huh. We are humans. Uh-huh. And then if you... Because if I bring all the other people back into the humanization conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then we can start from how do we reconcile, how do we heal, how do we treat each other back to God's own you know as in God's own Mm -hmm. image um so it's a slightly complicated into in answering what is racism Uh uh um
0: and how we reconcile it okay (laughs) what's go go back to go back to the Oxford Dictionary yeah. definitely. Can you reread it? And then I'm sure. going to counter it because I don't think that's what racism is either. But sure. read what the so, Oxford Dictionary is. So they say that it defines
2: racism as prejudice, discrimination or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. OK, so
0: I would argue that there is, there is a difference between racism and prejudice. I think all human beings have the capacity to prejudge in a negative way another group of people um, it doesn't matter if you're black if you're asian between different groups we know that you know blacks um, black africans and black caribbeans um are prejudiced towards each other at times different so we know that um, hating somebody or judging someone based on external, if you like, characteristics or Mm. religion, that's prejudice and everybody's capable of that. Racism, and this is why I think when we keep talking about people being racist, I think it's often incorrect, is racism is a construct and it's a construct rooted in power. Exactly. And so when, and I've I, I dug this book out because it's a great book, <laughs> Staying Power by Peter Fryer. It was yeah. from my mum's wardrobe, uh, wardrobe library. Um, and he's a Yorkshireman. Mm-hmm. But he, he really sort of breaks this down, in, I think, in a simple way. Yeah, When you, prejudice existed before the slave trade, we know, for example, that there, there were Britain's black, black Africans in this country
2: mm.
0: in the 1500s. Mm we know that people had prejudgments about certain groups of people long before the slave trade existed mm. but when and I'm, i just want to read this because it mm. really is a, he does it so well so he says he's talking about the slave trade and how britain became the leading slave trading nation in the world and he it, it said it was their drive speaking of the english mm. for profit that led english merchant capitalists to traffic in Africans. There was big money in it. The theory, i.e. the racist theory, came later. To underpin this way of gaining capital through treating Africans as property, as slave labour, was about money and it was about power. Mm. To underpin it, it was um, underpinned by the theory of racism that black people were inferior Mm. to, which I guess is a bit of the... Um, a bit of the Oxford Dictionary definition, mm. this idea that whites were superior to blacks mm. so I, per, my assertion is that when we talk about reverse racism there isn't such a thing, I don't think um, blacks can be racist towards whites, I think black people can be prejudiced and hate white people I think that's a, a, a factual, we know that that's factually accurate. To say they're racist, if I'm, we're using this definition of structure, a construct mm. to assert power mm. through racial lines, mm. I don't think it's true. Mm. You mentioned about this idea of different races. There isn't such a thing as different races. There mm. is one race mm. and there are different ethnicities. There yeah. are different ethnicities between Africans, between mm. um, Southeast Asians, between mm. Asians, between white supposedly white people mm. there are different ethnicities but i think it's really important to understand the difference because yeah. then people can start taking ownership yeah. of certain of certain things for sure so building on what you said I, I agree with that totally
2: and going back even further it's going back to how did racial constructs start in the very first place mm. and if you go back all the way to the 16th century mm-hmm. um you know people like linnaeus people like bernier like they Started to um, create people groups in classification based on color, mm-hmm. but their original were tense, and I think this is what people need to look at. Like um, particularly the early um, people that started some of this classification, um, predominantly did it based on the four globes of the world Mm -hmm. and predominantly did it for descriptive purposes. Mm -hmm. It was not for control and power because at that time and pre, you know, 15th century, there were, prior to people's popular knowledge, there were many people, particularly from Ethiopia, particularly from um, other African countries who were seen as scholars, equals. The Martin Lutherian um, movement and Martin Luther himself speaks to taking counsel um, Mm -hmm. from lots of different... Mm -hmm. um, people of color and you know understanding how the Ethiopian church worked understanding how leading scholars and writing and including um you know their narratives and their research into his own development of his thoughts and his philosophies and things like that and it, there, there's so much evidence that pre sort of like these classifications people of color were treated you know most of the issues were class issues more so than people being discriminated against because of their color um and there are people that you know have of color that have been in Europe and Britain and all of these things for centuries, decades of prominence, of great wealth, of great stature. So you have to start to think about how, when when classification of people groups came about, Mm. then what happened to get to the point of using those classifications Mm. now to bring in um, greed, control, Mm. make commodities, make money doing all of those things that we see mm-hmm. in like the world well, the pre transatlantic transatlantic slave movement but equally in modern day slavery mm-hmm, that we still mm-hmm. see eminent now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by continuing to keep people classified in these groups Absolutely. you continue to be able to use racial structures and these kind of constructs that was man made and was never god made mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, continue mm-hmm. to oppress mm-hmm. to continue to um dehumanize and it was literally by dehumanizing so if you do, you know, the theory of otherness. Yeah. If you buy into the concept of different races, you buy into the concept that the race that is dominant and predominant at that time, i.e. what we're living in now. So you would have the people who classify it as the white race in positions of power can other mm-hmm. and dehumanize and belittle mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. other race by buying into that concept that we are different races. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I feel like it's um, until we get the right premise and understand Mm. these constructs and understand where race, where racial classifications came from, you can't even begin to start to break down the barriers of racism, the challenges of racism, Mm. because the reason we continue to have it in all of these, you know, decades later, and no matter reform, no matter, you know, you know, the emancipation proclamation and all of these things have not been able to kill and destroy the, um, not only the pre- prevalence of racism, but the, the constructs that sit behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's because it goes back to that point of the sort of tr- truth has to be at the centre of any theory that's developed. Mm-hmm. So if you start from a flawed premise, every outcome you get thereafter is flawed. That's so good. we're still at this place because we have not addressed mm-hmm. the classification of people groups mm-hmm. and the and then the use of that classification yeah. for evil things.
0: Yeah, that's so good. It's It's so funny. I remember going to this church once and this Ugandan lady came up to pray and I'll never forget it because she was praying and she said, God, you, you never talked about the first world and the third world. You just said the world and we Mm -hmm. have bought into constructs and ideas that are entirely worldly. Um, They are not from God at all. And we have sort of used the Bible to underpin ideologies that are man-made to have power over other people yeah. but the beauty of constructs is they can be dismantled exactly you know exactly and as you said that idea of um find, you know once we understand the root cause of things yeah. we can start to dismantle them and I just wanted to add
2: like so my goddaughter and uh, we was having this conversation a couple of days ago about prejudice and racism and and, and she said um everybody Prejudges. Absolutely. Right. We we, we we all prejudge and we all have um, we can all have, as you said, that capacity to prejudge. Who introduced in the very first place the concept that people of colour uh, were savages,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that people of colour were non-human, mm-hmm. that people of colour don't feel pain to the same way mm-hmm. and therefore can be experimented on? Mm-hmm. Who brought into that ideology, into books, into, you know, mm-hmm into society, the idea that they are to be feared, mm-hmm. they are to be powerful, you know, where did these prejudgments come from? Mm-hmm. Because none of those judgments are based on, you know, true fact mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that from people of color's perspectives, mm. their prejudgments and sometimes their their fears are based on what was actually done to them. Yeah. yeah. And the history
0: of what's been
2: done. Actual lived experience. The actual lived experience, mm. the horrors mm. of what have been done. So until there's an understanding from mm-hmm. the side that's in power on, and on the side of the oppressor, mm-hmm. there, there is a responsibility that comes if you're talking about reconciliation mm. in their having a sensitivity and an understanding and almost. Uh, not just empathy, but real acknowledgement that those who are coming from an oppressed background have a legitimacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to some of their prejudgments.
0: Mm, okay, interesting.
2: When I've worked with uh, people who have been victims of molestation mm-hmm. or people who've been victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. or any of those things, the allies, if you want for a bit of a word, allyship, so the, the predominantly males and things like that, Understand and have a full acknowledgement and acceptance and happiness to be even more sensitive in their approach, mm-hmm. in their handling, in their support, mm-hmm. because they know predominantly victims of those um victims of domestic violence who has who has where it's been at the hands of a man will have some prejudgments about men. about men. So they approach it very sensitively right, and right, very right, carefully. Right,
0: right, 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 right. And
2: in my mind, it's that same sort of approach. Mm. Rather than what we see with a denial and a defence, mm. and I, that's not in my history, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not the other, there needs to be a fundamental shift in mindset. Mm. Because the prejudgments that on this side, we're not justified. What mm-hmm. they have not done, right, there's not right, a history, right, 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 do you see right, what I mean, right. of people of non colour mm-hmm. doing certain things that have justified why the people in power and oppression mm-hmm. um, and have the views that they have. Mm-hmm. But
0: there is a legitimacy the other side. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about mindsets. Mm. Let's talk about the fact that, and I have this conversation with people all the time, most people would say, I am not racist. Yeah. That's what most people say. Yeah. And and I would say, for example, the white people I'm around, they're not racist people. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I think it, it's such a, nobody wants to be called that. Yeah. Nobody wants to be called that. Yeah. So how do you address something yeah. with people that either aren't racist or do not feel that they're racist? Yeah. Um, they don't have slave-holding ancestors, for example. Yeah. How do you address what you've just said to people yeah. that are like I am not racist and they don't yeah. want it, it's like it becomes like la, la la and they just don't want to hear it yeah. anymore because of that. So how do you address that? So
2: I think that moves me to the second part of mm-hmm. the definition of racism. Mm-hmm. So I probably have a wider definition in my own mind around those who directly oppress
0: mm-hmm.
2: and those who benefit okay. from the privilege. Okay. Of being part of the group of the oppressors, even if you are not one yourself. Okay. A couple of things really that come to mind is when Martin Luther King basically was like, you know, um, if you are silent,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you are complicit, complicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your silence can be taken as agreement. Right, right, right. If you benefit from all of the privileges mm-hmm. of an unjust oppressed system Mm -hmm. that oppresses one group over another, and you do not, particularly if you're Christian, and you do nothing to speak up for it, Mm -hmm, all -hmm. of those things are contravening to God's law, Mm -hmm. to moral law, to being a good neighbor, to all of those things. Mm -hmm. So when people um, say that they are not racist, but are not moved by compassion, for those who suffer at the hand of racism. Mm. Then I start to question your mindset. I start to question, how much do you understand about what your Christian, biblical, and just human Mm. duty is? So that's Mm -hmm. one side of it Mm -hmm. that I would Mm -hmm. explore Mm -hmm. with Mm them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other side is, okay, you say that you don't have a history, you know, in your own personal family of slave Mm -hmm. ancestors. However, I would question many first and foremost, to really look into that Mm -hmm. because fundamentally, you know, predominantly wealthy Mm -hmm. uh, Europeans, particularly in Britain, will find somewhere in their history, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there is uh, a link to the the slave trade. And if there's not a direct link, there will be indirect links. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess, so for me, it's around that first and fundamental, not so much shifting the mind, but shifting your heart first and foremost, okay. because I feel that your mindset will change when your heart changes. When you see me and have f- compassion, mm-hmm. and when you see me in the image of God, when you mm-hmm. see me through the eyes of God, you should be moved by compassion mm-hmm. and compelled to not be complicit mm-hmm. with a system that is racist. Mm-hmm. And then the third area is I almost want to take the kind of racism on, on, and the, the terminology and the language and, and take it out and do something different with it because I think it's such a barrier and a hindrance yeah. to open conversation. Mm-hmm. I think there's the third area is have an honest, open conversation with yourself and and with others to create a safe space. The people I've spoken to who say to me, um, you know, I'm not racist and, you know, I haven't got race bone in my body and I, you know, I don't yeah. see colour, all of these things. I don't see this, that and the other. I understand their sentiment, where they're coming from. However, I say, I, I've examined with some people If we take the label off, Mm -hmm. do you have fears Mm -hmm. of tall black men? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. How how do you feel?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. If you're the single person in a a group, are are you comfortable? Mm -hmm. If you (laughs) see certain displays of behaviours from different people groups, different colours, different expressions, how different people groups dress. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts and what Mm -hmm. are your fears? Let's have an honest and open conversation. Mm -hmm. Because some of those microaggressions, some of those subconscious Mm -hmm. behaviours and thoughts Mm -hmm. Have you really explored where they came from and do they lend themselves to a racial, racist narrative? Mm -hmm. And let's be honest and open about some of those things, because you may not think, you you may lock racism down to, I do not call you a certain word or I do not do this. But do you buy into some of the Mm -hmm. other things that have come from people who were were racist Mm -hmm. and who have developed these constructs to keep people oppressed? And then the other, uh, I guess, expanding on that slightly is around I've held many conversations that say, if you continue to have one side of the story, you cannot reconcile, you cannot even have an open mind or even having a conversation. If you continue to only hear the stories of people of colour, predominantly who've come through um, the slave traders, you know, ancestors of the slave trade, mm-hmm. we hear, you know, let's talk discussions and let's talk race and let's do this and let's do that mm-hmm. and let's do active listening and all of these kinds of things. And you continuously have people of colour in that position of, now pouring out their stories to predominantly white people in positions of power, you're actually re victimizing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and not just mm-hmm. re victimizing because of the trauma of having to tell it, but you're re you're reinforcing the power difference mm. and you being in a position of power and these group being in a position of oppressed and non-power because it's, tell me your story, let me be empathetic, let me listen, let me understand, let me learn. Mm-hmm. And I've often challenged those narratives and mm-hmm. said, nobody has taught a, you know, nobody teaches a black person how to treat and be decent to another black person, to a white person, to mm-hmm. nobody taught you as a white person how to treat another white person mm-hmm. decently. So you do not need to be taught how to treat me as a human, you know, decently, things like that. And if we never explore the conversation around the, the oppressor, So I'm often saying when you still have this one-sided narrative, you're always going to uphold the inequity and the inequality because we never explore the mindset of the oppressor. So I've started to have those conversations with, you know, some of my white colleagues and, you know, in a safe and trusted non-judgment, non-blame approach so that they were able to start to explore what does it feel like? For those who have been racist or have had lend themselves to those tendencies, what, what got you there? Mm. What was your mindset? Mm. What was your story? Mm. And how can we start to level, you know, the balance between hearing each other's sides and trying to and come into reconciliation? And for those who say that they're not racist, um, but have benefited from the racial system, again, what stops you from speaking up? Mm. what stops mm. you from you know doing all of those kin- what's yeah. your side and how did you how what was your history and how did it shape your worldview? Mm. and how did you get to this place mm. and then we can start to you know explore further so that that's, uh, that's a whole lot of stuff there but yeah <laughs>
1: Common Era is produced by Labora Press, an independent publisher run by the Catholic monastic order known as the Passionists. To find out more about either of those, you can go to labora.press or passionists.org.uk. Our next episode picks up exactly where this one ends. Anne-Marie and Mats continue their conversation to explain why we should expect the church to look different from other institutions when it comes to race. Will we live to see a church prepared to give up comfort and power to address the sins of the past?